In today's highly competitive mortgage industry, building profitable relationships with real estate agents is essential for success. However, finding effective ways to secure agent relationships can be a challenge. With so many mortgage loan originators vying for the attention of real estate agents, it can be difficult to stand out and establish meaningful connections. Our new case study featuring loan officer Chris Coghill is a must read. Chris has closed a remarkable 36 million in funded loans from agent referrals. And in this case study, he shares his proven strategies for building strong relationships with real estate agents and leveraging those relationships to drive more business. To get your hands on this resource, head over to locastudy.com and download your free copy of the case study today. You'll find actionable insights and practical tips that Chris used to close 36 million in funded loans from agent referrals and how you can too. Don't miss out. Go check it out right now. Visit locastudy.com and download your free copy today. Welcome to Mortgage Marketing Radio, brought to you by the Mortgage Marketing Institute, your number one source for truth in mortgage marketing. Hey, listeners, it's Jeff Zimfer. Welcome to this week's episode of Mortgage Marketing Radio. Have I told you how much I appreciate you? I really do. If you're a listener who's been listening to this podcast for a while, thank you so much. I'm grateful for you. You're why I do this. You're what keeps me going. If you're brand new, welcome. Love to get your feedback. Whether you've been here a while, you're brand new or not, you know you can communicate with me anytime. You can send me a direct email to info at mortgagemarketinginstitute.com. You can connect with me on Facebook at Mortgage Marketing Institute, and you can request to join our private Facebook group where we share additional content, uh, resources, and just looking to build better modern mortgage originators. And speaking of that, this interview, get ready for a doozy. This is a good one. My guest for this week's episode is a man who's gracious, uh, at the same time is just a machine in terms of production. I watched a video uh, that was a Facebook Live video from the Mortgage Mastermind event in Vegas. And I saw this man talk about his process, his loan process, and the, and the efficiencies that he's got in place that allow him to scale his business. So who is this guest? It's Shant Banozian. Shant Banozian, the number one mortgage loan originator in the entire state of Massachusetts. Let me give you some quick stats on Shant. As I said, uh, number one in the entire state of Massachusetts. And in 2016, he closed 1,136 units for $434.5 million in funded loans in 2016 alone. And you'll hear on the podcast how now he just had his first $50 million month. That's right, month. And by the way, as you're listening to this, you think, oh, well, you know, that's his team and he's got all these originators out there. That's not exactly the case here. You've got to set aside any of your potential preconceived notions. You know, that's funny. When we talk about somebody doing full for 400 million a year, a lot of you listening may say to yourself, you know what? I don't want to do 400 million a year, but would you like to do another 10 million a year? 
Would you like to do another 20, another 30? Whatever your goal is, if your goal is growth, you realize that you've got to have certain processes, systems, standards, and mindset in place in order to get to that level of production, right? It's like the old saying, the level of thinking that got you to where you are is not enough to get you to that next level. And that I find to be so true with my special guest today. So um, just a true gentleman, one somebody who's willing to share um, is not of a scarcity mindset, but is an, of an abundance mindset. And I mean, the, the, the accolades just go on and on for Shan, right? Back in 2016, the number three originator in the entire country. Um, and it's just, you know, I mean, there are so many lessons and stories in this. If you're listening to this and thinking, man, I need to grow my business, but I'm challenged to do that because I am the assistant and you're stuck in that mode of I originate and then I process, I originate and I process, or what are the right systems, tools, people to put into place so I can grow my business? What are the best sources of business? How do I engage with my realtors? What is a perfect customer process that I can put in place that's going to help me create raving fans? How do I shift the conversation away from price to advice? I mean, we just you know dive into this all here, and and Shant just does a complete um, pouring into you as a listener to get a look inside the business of somebody who is just you know over a four hundred million dollar producer in twenty sixteen, and most of that is because of his efforts, his work, him still engaging with buyers and you know borrowers every single day. So. I'm really thrilled to have Sean as a special guest, knowing that the dollar cost just for him to carve out about an hour for us on this podcast is just enormous when you think about it. So I am eternally grateful for that, and I hope you will enjoy it as much as I have. So without further ado, let's transition into this week's show. Hey, Sean, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Uh, my pleasure. Yeah, welcome, welcome, welcome. So you're a tough guy to nail down because you're extremely busy, highly productive, and I'm so thrilled to bring you to our listeners here today. So um, in the intro, I obviously talked about who you are, you know, your, your production amounts and all that kind of stuff. But I think that the, for the listeners, what I didn't get into is give us the brief, you know, bio history of Sean's entry into the mortgage space. You know, who are you and what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate it. Uh, again, thanks for having me. Um, you know, it's fun for me to talk about this stuff. So I've been actually on this side of the business. Uh, I've only been originating loans for about nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into the business virtually right out of college back in 2003. I worked at a regional um, subprime lender, mostly online leads through like things like LendingTree.com and lower my bills. Yep. I learned how to sell you know, all phone sales um, at that time you know, for about a year. And then I quickly got promoted to the point where I was in management, you know, a couple times over the course of years. By the time, you know, I was like 25, 26 years old, I was managing a team of about 40 loan originators doing all, uh, essentially it was just uh, phone sales through lending tree and lower my bills and, and other lead aggregators. It was actually very, very valuable uh, for two reasons. One is it really taught me how to differentiate myself because generally every single client I was talking to four to five different people. And, you know, it taught me the value of relationship selling, uh, how important that is. Uh, you know, at the time, I didn't know this at the time, but we didn't, we weren't selling, you know, the greatest product, you know, a lot of one-year arms and two-year arms. And, um, you know, and it was a lot of debt consolidation, cash out, refinances, all that kind of stuff. And, but it really, it really taught me how to kind of get to know my clients, how to establish relationships and, and speak confidently, concisely over the phone, which is really valuable now. Cause it's funny is, you know, I, I thought once I got into the retail side, everything would be face to face, but as technology has changed, you know, it's switching back over to phone sales almost predominantly because a lot of people don't want to come into the office anymore. And to do the kind of volume that I need to do, that I want to do, 
Yeah. You know, I don't do a lot of uh, face-to-face meetings. It's a lot of fun. But so I was doing that. And then, you know, in 2008, 2009, you know, the whole you know market collapsed. So I was essentially what I was doing was, you know, I was in a position where I was training, recruiting and, and coaching and I was in management, but I hadn't originated in four or five years and the, the market froze up. Um, I had to try to figure out, I was at a crossroads both in my career and in my life trying to figure out what I was going to do. Um, I, I really enjoyed the mortgage business. I really enjoyed sales. I enjoyed the competition of it. I enjoyed um, helping people. Uh, you know, there's the, the competitiveness. There's a lot of things I really liked about it, the people to people interaction. Um, and so I decided to, you know, become a loan officer again. Mm. So, in, in a, so that's when I started from scratch. But, you know, so there's a lot of things that I learned in terms of like, you know, how to be a really good salesperson over the phone, how to manage my time, how to manage my days, to learn how to win, learn how to lose, like all that stuff. But what I didn't have was any relationships back then. So I've really been on this side of thing uh, for seven years, but I didn't know back then. I didn't know any, really any realtors, attorneys, title insurance companies, home insurance people. Like I didn't really, I was really starting from scratch. So, you know, what I did was, you know, I, I, I went back to what I knew. I, I you know, I, I partnered up with a really uh, great mortgage company that had some really great products. And uh, I learned this side of the business. So I had to really learn, like I literally had to learn what Fannie Mae was, what Freddie Mac was, what FHA was, because we didn't have any of that stuff at the previous company was at and teach myself all the loan products, guidelines, how all that stuff worked, literally running VU, LP, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and then I, I went out and um, I started networking. I joined Rotary Club. I joined uh, Chamber of Commerce. I joined the BNI group. I joined everything that you could possibly imagine. I went and I would talk to any realtor that would want to talk to me. And I also, um, you know, I, I did when I initially started, I even bought some leads on LendingTree again. Uh, just to kind of have some clients. And, and I got off those pretty quickly. It only took me about six months or a year of doing all that networking stuff to where I didn't really need any leads at all whatsoever. And to the point where I was fully self-sufficient on um, on referrals. Hmm. And then, you know, I, my game plan back then was just constantly, you know, I was, I was focused on meeting um, just anybody that would be able to refer me business um, and uh, referral partners. So as I was saying, like CPAs, financial advisors, anybody. And then once we got a deal, I focused on quality, quality and communication. is It's still to this day, uh, the biggest focus of what we do and how the, the foundation of our business and how we're going to keep growing. But yeah, you know, every single time we take on a deal and we took on a deal, made sure one, we knew what we were doing, you know, make sure that every pre-approval that we sent out was spot on and is uh, something that wasn't going to be denied, something that we could stand behind hundred percent. Once we put a deal in process, making sure the client was super informed all the way through the process. The realtors were informed on both sides of the deal, the buyer's agent, and the listing agent, the attorneys are in, in the loop. And, you know, so we really became known almost immediately for, you know, the quality of our work and the communication that we delivered. And and that was really, really easy to add new realtors at that point, just because they were really impressed. We, we really let our work, you know, and I say we, I mean me at the time, it was me by myself, uh, do the do the talking. And then um, you know, that, that's what we focused on, but we just constantly focused on improving the client experience, their communication they were getting from us. We're, you know, constantly focused on making the process more efficient and setting proper expectations through the whole process. You know, I, I established a really great brand is, you know, if your clients, um, you know, want to work with somebody that's going to be always available, um, that's always going to be honest with them up front with them and, and deliver on dates and clo- whether it's commitment dates and closing dates and quick closings and all that stuff, like really made sure that that was something that we could, that we could uh, build upon. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think accessibility, both realtors and clients is super important. Uh, delivering quality pre-approvals and product is huge, um, and just being known. Uh, I think people demand uh, consistency 
And um, in, in a market like, you know, I, I do most of my business in Boston and, you know, it's one of the hotter real estate markets in the country. You know, I think everybody thinks their market is the hottest, right? But uh, I think that, um, you know, you have to be able to deliver and, and we do over and over and over again. Definitely. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that, by the way. There's a lot in there. And what I want to do is, is, is as you made that transition from doing the, uh, you know, the, the phone sales, what did you identify? Who did you have to become or change? What, what about you did you need to prepare yourself for, right? As you go back on the street, no relationships, all that. I mean, what was that mind? Did you have to make a mindset shift? Or there's some certain things you, you were aware of that you're like, man, I haven't done this in a while, but I need to get out there and do this. Anything coming up? In a lot of ways, when you're doing the leads, one one deal does not uh, carry over to the other. Mm. I mean, obviously, if you do a good job, you hope to uh, get referrals from those clients. But when you're primarily referral-based and realtor-based, you know, those deals are all interconnected. So, you know, you could do a great job for some clients, but if you, if you don't do a good job after a while, that lead source will cut you off. Um, so I think if you do a good job consistently, you'll be able to, one, get more referrals from that lead source, and then two, possibly have that, that realtor refer you to other agents in their office or other agents on the other side of deals. Mm-hmm. So I think making sure that you knew that the quality of your work was super important because there's major longevity to that. So what I mean by that is like, you know, Whereas like a, you know, when, when you work with like a financial advisor, right, uh, or, or as a financial advisor, if they keep a client on their books forever, you know, they, they get paid incrementally, you know, based on the assets they have under management. Whereas with us, you know, we have to kind of create that on our own in the sense that we hope that when we do a deal for a client, they come back to us every single time they refinance or want to buy, but we don't get paid for as long as they hold their mortgage. I wish we did. Uh, but, you know, the um, same thing goes with a realtor. Like if you do a great job over and over and over again, there's no reason that realtor is ever going to leave you. But if you don't do a good job on the communication side or the quality of your work or the, the, you know, the response that your client, frankly, gives that person, then you, know, you, you could have that person disappear without you even knowing and move on to somebody else. Yeah. So just knowing yeah. that every single deal uh, has other implications to it was really a big mindset shift. But other than that, a lot of it's the same. I mean, it's, you know, I, I was pretty successful on the uh, internet-based lead stuff, and mm-hmm. it really prepared me really well. I thought it was a pretty smooth transition. I didn't have a lot of difficulty transitioning over to the face-to-face and networking side. Okay. So you said, you said earlier when you got out there to, um, you know, to develop those relationships, you did, you did networking like crazy, right? You just amped it up. Um, what is today or what, when you first started out, what was your most successful way of capturing real estate agents and building that referral base? You know, I, I still, to this day, I think it's all about like the low hanging fruit in the sense that, you know, when I first started, I was just literally based on the people that I knew, like that uh, I grew up with in my town. Like, who are who are the local real estate agents, right? Mm. And then their friends, and their friends' friends, and their coworkers. Um, and I would just go everywhere that they are, right? So, generally speaking, um, you know, like the most of the real estate boards and real estate areas have different types of groups. Like in our area, there's the Greater Boston Association of Realtors, there's Mass Association of Realtors, and they all have events. So I would make sure that I was at all those things. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's, it's one thing just showing up to those events, but then it's another thing, taking action items to actually try to generate meetings from those and try to grab, you know, coffees and lunches and dinners. And uh, so that more than anything, it's not like, you know, to tell them all about you, but to get them to know you, like you and trust you and have them understand what you're all about. And that's how you get business. If they don't like you or trust you or even know you, there's no chance they're ever going to send you a deal. Right. Yeah. And, um, a lot of people just go to those meetings and then they collect business cards and they never do anything with them. And it's a matter of, you know, going there with a plan, you know, knowing how many, you know, coffees and lunches that you wanted to 
take out of there and actually following up with the people when you leave those meetings with, you know, calls and emails and, and trying to schedule actual events and actually getting into their offices. And, you know, I, I do a lot of lunch and learn type things where I go into real estate offices and just update them with uh, market conditions and what's going on in the industry and what's going on in their marketplaces and things that we're seeing. And, uh, you know, just anything I can do to get in front of agents. So uh, th- that's everything. I mean, my, my business is predominantly built on real estate agents. Mm-hmm. You know, we have some uh, financial advisors that send us some business as well. And other, you know, like when I say financial advisors, I also mean like accountants. But, you know, and, and then obviously, of course, over the course of time, we built this really great book of business and our clients really like us and trust us. And so they tend to refer us business as well. But everything I did was always focused on just being in front of as many real estate agents as possible. And then just getting there and trying to, you know, differentiate yourself from everybody else. And, and, and I tried to not do it from a product standpoint. Um, you know, cause I feel like everybody goes in and sits down and says the same things. I just wanted to get kind of get them know me as a person, want to give me a shot. And then once they give me a shot, really just wow them with how different our communication and, and process and, and efficiency is versus our competition. So what would you say to those listening, you know, cause you've obviously got a well-established brand in your community and I think everything you've shared is definitely spot on. And then you've worked, you work with a lot of LOs, you got LOs on your team, you coach them. Um, and, and maybe you don't run into this because of, you know, the brand and the platform you've built there. Like when a new LO comes on your team, but I know L- other LOs, when I teach them that same thing, right. Um, Oftentimes, the frustration or challenges they have is, well, how do I uniquely position myself? Or, you know, oh, I met with them and, you know, uh, they haven't sent me any any business. So are there any, like, you know, scripts, strategies, or, you know, kind of mindsets that you put into place, uh, processes, uh, you know, to help move that relationship forward, if that makes sense at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I really think, you know, just like in any other type of uh, business or sales or whatever you want to call it, you know, I really just think it's all about asking for the business. Mm-hmm. So when I'm meeting with these people, you know, I literally ask them, hey, would you mind sending me your next deal? You know, like it's literally that simple. All right. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I asked them for the business and hey, nothing happened. I don't know if that's I'm sure that happened to you early on. But how would you address address that? I mean, you know, it's a numbers game. Bottom line, like I'm not going to pretend like I get uh, deals from every single person I meet with. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm consistently meeting with people whether it's three a week, five a week, one a week, whatever that number is, that I'm going to get some, right? Sure. I'm not going to get every single one. It's virtually impossible, right? If, you know, a great baseball player, you know, if they hit 300, you know, they're, they're you know, in the all-star game, yeah. right? So like, you know, it's the same thing. Like you have to, you have to have your foundation for like what your goals are every single week. But, you know, I think it's a matter, it's a matter of following up with them, you know, uh, with emails in terms of, um, for example, like every Friday I send an email to make sure that everybody knows that I'm around this weekend and doing pre-approvals, right? It goes out to my entire realtor database. Um, and there, I don't do that for any other reason. One, it's just a reminder. And two, I'm in their email all weekend. So if they do have a client that needs a pre-approval and they have something that, you know, they're at a house on a Saturday or Sunday and they're like, you know, client says I need a pre-approval. My mortgage guy said he's around this weekend. Here's his contact. You'd be surprised by the amount of realtors that give me a shot for the first time just because they know I'm available on weekends. Mm. And again, you know, you meet with somebody, you have a coffee or a lunch and then they don't send you anything it's okay to follow up with them and give them phone calls and, and send them emails and text messages and just keep asking for the business in a non annoying type of way. I'm not very aggressive. Like as much as I say, I ask for the business. I'm also like, if it's not the right fit and they're just not comfortable to send me business, I'm going to eventually leave them alone. But you know, it's important to kind of get them to realize that like, I, I find that if you ask for it enough, all I'm looking for, right. Is one deal right from that person. Cause I feel like my process and communication, my team are so good now at this point that if we do one deal, 
and then they go somewhere else and they compare it to somebody else's, they're going to keep coming back to us, yeah. right? Or what they're yeah, been yeah. accustomed to. I just need them to give me one layup. And then once I get it, you know, from the time I do the pre-approval to the loan is in process to closing to after closing, I think they're blown away by how how much we're communicating with them, keeping them in the loop and the love that their clients are getting. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not just like, I don't have like a magic word mm-hmm. that I'm saying yeah. to somebody that's like, hey, that there's not like a script. Uh, I think, you know, it's really important that, you know, when I go into these meetings, I'm not really just talking about myself. Frankly, I'm doing just a lot of question asking and I'm trying to learn about them. I find that, you know, generally when people talk about themselves, they think that the meeting went really great when they love talking about their business and, and what their goals are. Like, I want to learn everything about them. I want to learn about what their goals are, how they got into the business, what the deals with their family, what their, uh, you know, what their business goals are, what their personal goals are. And then I asked them, you know, what's, what are they looking for? In their loan officer relationships, you know, what's important to them? Are they looking for people that are going to uh, deliver a great experience, speed? Are they looking for client referrals back? Like wh- what's important to them? And then I just try to make sure that if I'm the right fit for them, I communicate that. If I'm not the right fit for them, then I probably just don't follow up very much. You know, I try to also be picky with like, the. I don't just work with everybody, right? It, you know, I try to, generally speaking, like most of the realtors that I work with and real estate agents that I work with, I become super friendly with because I get along with these people really well. It's hard to generate like really great relationships and get business from people that you're, you're just not a good fit with from a personality match standpoint. And eventually it's going to fall off anyways. So I find that most of the agents I work with, I genuinely enjoy talking to, finding out what's going on with work and what's going on with their personal lives and, and everything. And, and we just become friends. And, and most of the people that I've worked with, I've been working with for a very, very long time now. And we don't. And, and it also makes it easier because the reality is this is a tough business, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cards, things go wrong. You know, it's nice to be able to call somebody and have a really honest conversation with them as to, hey, what's going on? And everybody has each other's backs and get through it together as opposed to not having that type of relationship where things to, you know, can get off track and not having somebody can come on kind of helping you through it. All right. So we're going to transition in a minute to like business and process and all that. But um, how do you deal with the realtor who pretty soon in the conversation, well, to give you a couple of examples, uh, well, you know, um, I get leads from my other lender. That's why I work with them. Or yeah, I'd love to do a, you know, a co-marketing thing on Zillow, whatever, if you can help me pay for it. How do you, how do you handle those situations when you run into them? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, with the whole getting leads from, you know, the loan officers and we totally, you know, uh, I try to do a really great job. If my clients come unattached, it's part of my business plan is to try to refer out as much business as possible. One, more importantly, because I know that if I put them in touch with my realtors that I know, like, and trust, they're going to do a good job for those clients. And those clients are going to be more sticky to me. You know, I am BNI member. And one of the biggest things that BNI, the little slogan there is uh, givers gain. And I find that the more business you give out, the more you get back, more just out of a matter of good faith. And I, I like referring out business. I get satisfaction out of it. I feel good about it. Like it's, it's so I do try to refer up business. However, you know, so the more realtors I know in different locations and geographies and different personality matches, I try to match up my clients with them whenever the opportunity arises. But that's not what I'm really all about. To be perfectly honest with you, like if you're going to send me business, it's because you want to make sure your clients are taken care of. Uh, you want to make sure the quality of the work, you want to make sure when your offers are accepted that, you know, uh, we're going to hit every single date. Nothing's going to go wrong. It's going to go smooth. So I'm, I'm a good fit for a realtor as a loan officer if they just want the best experience and they and somebody they can count on to deliver a really great process and product, not just because they're going to get a couple deals. Like if they're just looking for a couple deals a year, you know, I bring a lot more to the table than that. Uh, in terms of the co-marketing stuff, you know, it's one, again, it's one of those things I'll never jump into a relationship and start spending dollars. Those never worked out. You know, um, I, I've never, you know, there's no relationship there. It's all about money. And I just don't think it's a great way to build a business. 
you know, anytime I've ever helped with like from a marketing standpoint, whether it's, you know, open houses and events and all that kind of stuff, it's always the people that we have long-term relationships with that, you know, it just makes sense just like in any other business. Um, but we would never lead into a relationship with that stuff. And I just explained to them, I hope you understand um, that, you know, that's not, that's not the way we go into business relationships. If, you know, if it's something that you want to do in the future, after we've done a bunch of business together, it's something we'd be open to talking about, but uh, that's not how we enter into a relationship. Right now. Wow. That's powerful. That's really taking control of the conversation and it's setting the, the premise, right? The tone um, of the relationship. And I, I like that because it's not, you know, money LOs would rush to, okay, I got to do this co-marketing thing with this realtor, right? Because he's a top producer and he wants us to like kick into Zillow. And, you know, to your point, and I'm sure many listeners have been down that road where it's like, if it, if it starts at money, yeah, that's, that's the wrong premise. It never works. You know, I've, I've had a lot of learning experiences over the course of my career. It, it, you know, those never work. And, you know, the, one of the biggest things I've learned in my career, whether it's with realtors, with uh, clients. It's, it's just knowing when you're not the right fit with somebody, it's really hard to make yourself the right fit. Like you're either the right fit or you're not. So it's like, and when I, you know, I have a lot of clients, I have a lot of clients that come to me and I, you know, I know I can't do that deal just because we can't offer them the product they need. But a lot of times I know they can go, they're going to be able to, they're financeable, but I'm just not the right fit. And I, I have a group of loan officers out there, different, whether it's commercial portfolio lenders, you know, uh, certain banks and credit unions that do certain niche products that we're just not interested in doing. I, I refer out a ton of business to other loan originators when I can't do the deal, when I know they can say yes, because I'd rather have everybody refer me every single deal and let me figure out where the loan should go. So I, I don't want to just say no and show them, but I, I've become very confident saying no, but somebody else is a better fit. Same thing with my realtor partners. Like I can just tell right away whether I'm going to be a good personality match with somebody. If I am, you know, I'm going steam ahead and trying to, uh, you know, cultivate that relationship. If I'm not, then I just, I just kind of have that gut feeling and walk away. Cause there's, there's so much business being done out there. Yeah. You know, there's so many great yeah. realtors. There's so many clients buying homes. You know, it, it's, it, you're, you're going to be, you're going to have more satisfaction in your job and your life and everything. If you're just working with people that you really enjoy being around and are a good fit for you, as opposed to, you know, how would you feel good about it all day, every single day? If you know, you're buying all your relationships, that would be, that's not a sustainable business. Um, and it's also, it's just not something that feels good. Yeah. All right. So let me, let me bring up, you know, the talk track of price for a moment, because I'm sure you deal with price and I hear a lot of things in the marketplace about the G rate price and the, and the good rates, if you will, in air quotes. Yeah, of course. Um, (laughs) so I'm trying to figure out how do I ask you this question? I mean, I guess I'll ask two both ways is like one, do you run into, you know, price issues on deals and then how do you move the conversation from price to advice uh, great question i think that um yeah of course i mean everybody does you know we have a really great product set conventional fha um well conventional govy jumbo i mean we're we're, we're very diverse yes. right but at the end of the day um there's always gonna be somebody that is you know going after a certain amount of business aggressively whether it's in the jumbo space or conventional or whatever it is. So I find that, you know, we're priced very aggressively. We're always going to be, you know, at the very top of where we should be in terms of the market that we want to be in. But there's always going to be somebody can probably price out a little bit more aggressively, mm-hmm. right? If, if they want to, now, there's a lot of like rate sheet lenders out there now that are just, uh, you know, giving the price away. Yeah. Especially in purchase market. Yeah. Big time. You know, we're definitely not uh, in every single price you know, category, the most aggressively priced, but, I find that, you know, if you look at any type of business, like the companies that work on the lowest margins, like how long do those generally last, right? Like you, you want the company to make money and you want to be able to make money so that you can build a sustainable business that you can keep reinvesting in, right? And so, um, 
you know, I think that, you know, a lot of the work to get away from price right off the bat is, is before you even get to that point. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, I think when a client calls me, I never like, if a client just wants to talk about a rate, like it's not, that's not my, that's not my thing. Like I want to get to know everything about them. I want to understand their goals, their needs. I want to build rapport, right? I want to understand, uh, you know, when they want to buy, why they want to buy, um, you know, everything about them. Right. And then I establish, you know, who I am in the business, what my brand is, what my uh, reputation is, you know, what my experience is and why that will help them. You know, I want to explain to them everything that we're going to talk about up front in terms of what, entails a pre-approval, why I'm going to, what I'm going to go through, uh, regarding their credit, their income, their assets, educate them on why those are important. Talk about the type of collateral, whether it's a condo, single family investment property. Um, and then once I get all that out of the way, I explain to them, you know, um, I educate them on their pre-approval. So what their max pre-approval is, what their comfort zone is, what their payments are going to be and what goes into those payments regarding insurance, taxes, PMI, condo fees, all that stuff what their down payment options, whether they want to put down 20% or whether the ability to put down 5% or whatever, uh, what their closing costs are going to be, when those are due, and then different types of products, whether it's fixed or an arm. So I go through all that stuff. And then, you know, throughout the course set, I'm rapport building, um, and then I'm following up and I'm talking, and then I try to make my clients pretty sticky to me. So every time they want to make an offer afterwards, I want them to get a customized pre-approval letter from me. I want to get on the phone with them and say, you know, specifically for this property, you know, uh, here's what your payments would look like, your rate at the current time, closing costs again, all that stuff. I find that the more of those conversations I have up front, then, you know, by the time they get their offer accepted, you know, it's really not about price anymore because you've become their friend, their advisor. You've already put the work in and they want to reward you for it. And they just want to know, hey, tell me what's next. Um, so it's really about establishing that before you get to price. Uh, but if, say, you know, a client comes to me with, you know, offer accepted. We haven't had the time to build some rapport. You still got to kind of reel it back in. Like I'm never one of those people where if a client just like sends me an email and they, hey, I'm talking to six different lenders, send me your best rate on a 30 year fix. Like I, I don't even know where to start there. I was like, hey, you can't, I mean, there's too many, there's too many variables and factors to just send out a rate, you know, without even talking to somebody. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I try to make it more than just about rate. Um, you know, I find that when we do have to compete on rate, you know, we'll win some, we'll lose some. I mean, I think that's the way it is for everybody. There's no, I don't know of any lender that's going to win every single time or any loan officer that's going to win every single time. I'm a big believer in that relationship totally makes a big difference. You know, there's a lot of clients that are waiving mortgage contingencies right now. And mostly some of these busier markets, you know, in order to get your offer accepted, you got to close quickly mm -hmm. and you got to a lot of times have confidence that your lender is going to be able to deliver if you don't have a mortgage contingency because you might be competing against some cash offers. And that's where like, I really, my value goes way, way up because I can do both those things. I say I'm going to do it. Deal's getting done, and if I um, I'm, I'm going to deliver, and at that point, you know, are you going to jeopardize a fifty thousand dollar deposit, a hundred thousand dollar deposit, or an eighth of point or a quarter percent interest rate? Right, right. So, so if there's a contingency like must close in 21 days, for example, right, you'll obviously have the conversation to demonstrate that you can do that, and you'll you'll get the stuff done on your side, the pre-approval, the you know all that kind of jazz, uh, conditions removed to the degree you can um, within that time frame. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, do you? get involved in any, um, you know, cross qualifying on listings, you know, how you would, the listing agent would have you written in to the notes on their purchase contract. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially in multiple offer situations, you know, they, obviously they can't force them to work with us and right. hard, but they can require them to get a pre-approval from us. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, then it's on me to, you know, uh, show the value in terms of like, you know, why I'm a good fit. And again, just go back to report building and getting them to like and trust us and understand why we're better fit than whoever they're working with. But yeah, a lot of, you know, I'm happy to do that. You know, it's, it's a little bit, um, 
labor intensive because, you know, some people have already built a great relationship and they're just going to use you for that pre-approval letter, which I'm fine with. Like to me, that's a, that is a good use of my time. I'm talking to a client that's, uh, you know, making offers that's serious about buying a place. So I find that, you know, I can have a bunch of those conversations and it works in my favor more often than not. Um, but yeah, I love that stuff. To be honest with you, I've, I've done it for a very, very long time. It helps you win deals. It helps you win deals and it helps separate you. Like it helps you meet realtors. You know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I've met new relationships just because of those situations. I think, you know, if you're a loan officer, if you can get your listing agents to require a pre-approval from you, uh, whether, you know, and that happens a lot with builders as well. You know, there's a lot of really successful loan officers that I know that don't work with realtors at all. And they do all their business with uh, builders and the builders right into the contracts right there. And uh, that, you know, in order for them to get their offer considered, they at least have to have a pre-approval. Then you end up with, you know, I find that really good people that know what they're talking about. If you're putting yourselves in a situation, you you're going to have a pretty good success rate there. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. Good stuff. Let's transition that into building a team. Um, and for those listening, if you just, just give it, I definitely talked about this in the intro, but I think this is critical to know because I'm a big guy all about process. And, and you and I talk, talked before, you know, you were at a point in your career when you got out of the, the phone sales and into on the streets retail, you know, you, you, we're building up some momentum and got to a certain level of production. And at, at some point there comes that conversation. Okay. I need an assistant, right? And if I'm going to continue to grow my yeah. business, you've grown way beyond that, right? With about 19 people on your team. If I'm correct, you are tracking to do what? Uh, 40 to 50 million a month. Yeah. So the last two months uh, I did, I did 55 million in, in June uh, that just closed out. And I did, I think 52 million in May. So first time uh, ever that we had broken, um, 50 million in a month and we did it back to back, which is pretty cool. Uh, last year we, we, uh, we closed 400, I think, I don't know, 435 million or something. So we did 40 million a bunch of times last year, but we were never able to break through 50. So we've done that a couple of times this year. I think the thing I'm proud of most is that, you know, I'd say about 85% of my business is purchase business. Mm. So, you know, uh, last month, for example, I think we closed like 122 deals or 128 deals and over a hundred of them were purchase deals. Um, so I mean, we're still doing some refinances, but very purchase driven. Um, so yeah, so finally busted through 50 million, which is a year long goal of mine. Yeah. Congratulations, man. That's just like amazing. Um, so in, in hearing that a lot of people are blown away, you know, they're like, Oh my God, how's that even possible? And like you and I talked about before, a lot of people listening, loan officers, right. That, that's not necessarily their goal. I mean, they'd like to get to 50 million in a year, right. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone a month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but going back, so, so we got LOs listening. It's like either they're going to hire or hope to hire an assistant or an LOA, you know, something like a junior. Um, what best advice would you give for somebody who's at that cusp, you know, where it's like, damn, I need to get a team member if I'm going to scale and grow my business. What things do they need to have in place? What lessons did you learn? That kind of jazz. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of lessons learned. Um, you know, every time, um, I'm finally at the point in my career now where I'm hiring ahead of the curve as opposed to out of necessity. Like, um, whereas my first like two years, I always hire when it was too late. Um, uh, but you know, when I get to about, I think when you start getting to doing about, you know, somewhere between 30 and 40 million, um, that's when you need to start, um, considering hiring an assistant. So I did it when I was getting just broke through 40 and I realized that I was having it and, and granted I wasn't at the time I wasn't at nearly as good of a company as I am right now. So mm-hmm. I have a lot more support process, technology, everything, you know, product, everything's better here than where I was at before. But you know, when I got to before 40 million, I actually will can honestly say that five or six years ago, I did like 50 million bucks and I was miserable, right? It was, everything was on me. Literally yeah. I was miserable to the point where like, I was like trying to figure out whether I even want to stay in this business or not mm-hmm. because I was, um, 
I just wasn't enjoying it. Like I didn't feel like I was delivering great service to my clients. I didn't feel like I had any freedom to like leave the office or go on vacation or take a day off. Um, and I was, you know, I was literally selling loans, clearing conditions, locking loans, clearing conditions, working with the closing department, like helping out, sending closing pack, like literally involved in everything. And I was just not, and that's not like stuff that I'm passionate about, you know, like it's, I'm passionate about developing new business, growing my team and, uh, doing, doing closing deals. Like I, you know, I still love talking to my clients and selling deals. Like that's fun to me. Uh, when I started getting involved in other stuff, like what I, what I'd find, what happens when you're, when you're doing everything yourself is that you sell for like two weeks and then all you do is, um, you know, process for two weeks and it's, it's, it's just too, too up and down. You have up and down months. It's hard to get consistent. Whereas now I'm literally just selling every single day. So I'm consistently able to put up big numbers because all I do is sell all day long. Um, but you know, when I got to that, you know, um, 40 million mark, I think, I think part of the thing is the reason people don't hire assistants sooner is confidence, right? Confidence that a, you can afford it mm-hmm. Two that you'll be able to train the person, uh, that you'll have a plan, uh, that you can, that they'll be able to make money. You know, there's a lot of things that are, are fear factors, but once you get over those, you know, um, it's huge. You know, I, I always kind of look, every time I add somebody, I kind of look at it like, uh, I always look at two things. If I hire this person, am I either going to do more business, um, or am I going to get some of my life back? And if, as long as I can, if I can make the same amount of money and get some of my life back and get some free time to spend with my wife and kids, I'm okay with that. Or if I do more business, I'm okay with that. But if it's not going to do one of those two things, yeah. then I'm not interested Then they're not the right fit. So it's hard to hire, yes. you know? So, you know, I think, I think one first thing is, is, you know, come up with all the high leverage activities that you want to be doing and, and write down all the things that you don't want to be involved in. And that's what you train that person. But it's not the key mistake that most loan originators make when they hire an assistant is just assuming that that person's going to figure out everything on their own, but they're not. So if like, you're really good, like I was really good at clearing conditions. Like I, when I'd call a client, I'd get on the phone with them and I'd be like, this is what I need exactly how I need it when I need it. Now they'd get it to me. I'd never have a problem with that. So when I hired an assistant, I was like, you know, here's how you ask for it. Here's exactly what you say. Here's what they may say. And here's what you say back. And this is like, you know, having checklists for them to follow. Right. I was literally chasing down all my condos, right? Like I was literally collecting condo docs, condo questionnaires, master insurance, budgets. Well, it's, it's one thing for me to not want to do that stuff anymore, but I, it's a really important, you know, I do four to 500 condos a year. So I hired somebody and their full-time job now is tracking down condo stuff. And it's, you know, I need them to know what they're looking at when they're looking at master deed and bylaws. I need them to know what they're looking for, for the master insurance. I need them to know what they're looking for in a budget and what questionnaire stuff uh, they should be, you know, so, so I, I've really, I've trained those people in, in all those things. Um, what to look at. I only look at appraisals now when it's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like if appraisal mm-hmm. comes in light, that's when it gets brought to my attention. But the other, you know, hundred appraisals that come in, I never even look at, but somebody on my team is looking at them with my eyes, essentially knowing what I'm looking for and bringing it to me if it's an issue. The first and foremost thing I would do is one, you know, like take all the administrative stuff off your plate. Yeah. Like you want to be focused yeah. on it, essentially selling all day long. So administrative stuff, whether it's chasing conditions, insurance, condo stuff, you know, set it, ordering appraisals and ordering title work. Like somebody should be doing all that stuff for you. You shouldn't be doing that yourself. And then, you know, the more and more business you do, you'll be able to tell it kind of like I, I've been able to tell every single time I've hit a new milestone. Like I remember I went from 50 million uh, to like 126 after I hired my first assistant. Then I went to 180 and at 180 or I'm sorry, 160, we hit a major like roadblock again. We were, we weren't staffed enough and then I had to bring on somebody else. And like, it, then we got up to like, you know, a couple years later, we got up to 300. We hit a, you know, major, uh, 
roadblock in terms of we weren't growing. We had to hire some more people to, to do. We're big into specialization. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. um, and then you know, this past year we got up to 430 and I knew we could do more. And now we're trying to knock out 500 million. And I feel like for the, over the last year, I'm finally hiring ahead of growth as opposed to when sure. you know, we have a roadblock. It's important. You can see it coming. Do you have any pre-hiring you know, processes or, you know, a lot of people use the disc profile. Do you, do you have anybody do stuff like that before, as you're vetting them out? You know, um, I, you know, the one thing I've learned is that every time I've ever made a mistake hiring, it's always been when I've hired somebody that comes from the mortgage business on the sales side. So anytime uh, I I generally hire people from outside the business, my only failures that I've had from a hiring standpoint have been people that already came with previous loan officer experience. It just never works out. Well, that's interesting. Why, why is that man? Bad habits or what? Yeah, bad habits, preconceived notions. You know, I got into this business, uh, you know, without any experience, and I I did pretty well. So I'm kind of looking for people. You know, I, I do generally like to hire people with previous experience in some form of life, whether it's sales or other jobs that have you know had some good coaching, but and that translates over to well. But I find that with loan officers um, mm. that want to be like sales assistants, like they just they've just got bad habits, and it's really hard to reteach uh, those things. I, I'd rather just teach. I'd rather be the one that creates the foundation you know, from, from scratch. And I'm really just looking for people that are coachable, hardworking and uh, hungry, you know, and, and people that are, you know, I just, ha- I haven't had any success so far in bringing loan officers onto my team that, that maybe just weren't, weren't having success in their own right. But uh, from an ops standpoint, um, from like, you know, my loan processors and uh, that's, I do like having people with experience, although even that's not a requisite, you know, so um, I, I just, um, if you put them in the right environment, you can coach them and teach them. And, you know, we're doing enough transactions where they can learn on the fly. It, when we bring somebody on, we have a, now we have a, you know, structured method in terms of like what they need to learn and, you know, how we kind of bring them in little by little by little. I find that it, it takes about, you know, six months to a year for somebody to like really fully being reined where they're off on their own. Mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Cause that's part of it. You know, any company, nobody ever hires anybody and that person's an expert right off the bat. Yeah. So how, how many LOs do you have on your team? So on my own individual team, um, I don't have any loan officers that are uh, like I'm, I'm kind of getting uh, credit for their business at all. I have I have three sales assistants uh, that help me, uh, you know, take applications. Um, speaking of that, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but um, speaking of that is um, I was I wanted to ask you. That's why you triggered that. Um, what is your your process? Because a lot of the folks that I'm working with that want to grow and scale, um, they're in this dilemma of like, well, do I take the 1003? Do I just be the you know loan consultant and then flip over the 1003? What's your process? Yeah, I'll take 1003s myself if like I have to, in a sense that like if just, if it's like a time constraint where they just got to get it done right away, or if the client just is not comfortable either having somebody else on my team take it for me or doing it online. I'm a huge proponent of the online application. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a really great online application. I, you know, I try to work by appointment only um, for the most part, you know, as much as I can. I, I don't, you know, I, I build in times where that's not realistic throughout the course of my day. But, you know, I try to set appointments for all my clients. I find that, you know, busy, successful people appreciate having an appointment. And uh, it works well for me to be able to talk to as many people in a day as I can. I, when I build, make an appointment with somebody, I try to have them complete my online application first. And try to get me as much of their documents yeah. up front. So I just find that I can have a really powerful and impactful conversation in a half hour with somebody if they've already completed my application. I find that I get bored if I'm taking down like email addresses and phone numbers and addresses and work history and all that kind of stuff. Like I don't, I lose yeah. attention. I just, I get, 
I'm not as good of a salesperson. I'm not passionate. I, I just kind of start my, I'm just not as good, you know, like if I'm having to do all that stuff. So having all that stuff ready for me is important because then I can, again, <laughs> build rapport, find out what they want to do and then explain everything they need to know about their credit, their income, their assets and their payments and their closing costs and product products and make sure they get it. I feel like I'm teaching at that point and, and explaining and educating as opposed to just like data entry. I hate data entry. There's no way I can get on a business that I, I need to do and want to do. If I, if I'm, it's impossible. So bottom line, somebody calls me, I try to make an appointment, have them complete the online application, or I give them the option to have one of my team members call them uh, to take the application over the phone and then set an appointment with me. Um, um, and then, you know, there is, I probably take, you know, probably one or two a day myself where I'm just doing it from start to finish only because it's like a last minute thing offers to, and they need to know right away. And I'm just like, you know, let's do it. Wow. Um, very interesting. But, but if I heard what correctly, what you're saying is by and large, your role then is to, once they've in a perfect process, once they've taken the online app or gotten the app from someone else on your team, you're there as right. Having the, the, the loan conversation, as you said, to use the word teaching, right? So you're, you're being that trusted advisor to help direct them in the direction they should go, build some rapport, give them their options and all that. But once that conversation's done, is it then flipped over your team? And are you then kind of out of the mix by and large? No. Uh, so, uh, so he, I mean, here's the best way I can describe it. And I, I really mean this as an analogy, I guess. So like you go to the doctor's office for your physical, right? Yeah. When you first get in there, you fill out a bunch of paperwork, right? right. Probably with an admin or a secretary, right? The doctor's not taking any of that information. Right. Then you go into a writing room you know, they, you sit in there and somebody comes in, takes your temperature, your, you know, your pulse, all that kind of stuff, whatever else they do and ask you a bunch of questions. The doctor's also not the one doing that. But then the doctor comes in and does all the meat and potatoes and gives you, you know, reads, reads everything that everybody's done so far, you know, spends time with you and then is out of there. Right. And then, but they've done all the important stuff because that's, they're the experts. Same thing with me. Like I'm not the one doing data entry, you know, uh, getting the basics, sending out emails initially up front to, mm-hmm. you know, collect paperwork. That's what my team's doing. So I'm fresh, excited, and fired up to, to do all the stuff in terms of educating my clients about everything. Um, and then after that, you know, we issue the pre-approval. You know, I have I have scripts and follow-up campaigns. Mostly we follow up by email and text with our clients in terms of like, hey, how's your home search going? Um, yada, yada, yada. Once they find a house, offers accepted, that's when I jump back in. I, you know, close the deal. I generally lock every single one of my loans, you know, cause we have a lot of things to pick from. It's not, you know, it's not just a matter of quoting the lowest rate as everybody on this probably knows, you know, you have to pick investors, mm-hmm. you know, based on yeah. certain products and you know, all their qualifications. Then, you know, I send pretty detailed instructions to my processing team in terms of like everything I feel like they need to know on the file. And then, you know, my processing team takes it from there. Like once I've locked the loan, agreed to terms with the client, um, let them know how the process is going to look from here and who will be involved in the loan from there on out. I only jump in if they need me uh, for important stuff. I generally try to only jump in if they have questions about the loan product, price, closing costs, really any of the number stuff. In terms of uh, documentation collection or questions around the docs, I let my team do it because at this point, they do a much better job of that stuff than I do. They're, they're experts at it. They don't talk price, product, and rates. That's my job. They talk documents, underwriting guidelines, clear to closes, and all that kind of stuff. Nice. And then what about post-closing? Um, what's that process look like? So, you know, we send out a survey to every single one of my clients to make sure that uh, we did a good job. Surveys are shared with every single one of my team members that were involved in the loan. And we want to get uh, feedback from the clients as to how they thought the process went, what they liked and what they didn't like. And I think that everybody on my team cares about those things. So they read it and, you know, we try to focus on getting better. Yeah, we send them a thank you email. Um, I don't do a ton of like 
phone calls and conversations after closing, you know, um, immediately, you know, we, there's some emails that go out. I don't, I don't call them just cause you know, we're closing somewhere between a hundred to you know, 120 loans a month. It's hard to make that many phone calls. Um, and you know, that's something we could definitely work on and process that, you know, we'll probably implement at some point, you know, if they, a lot of times, you know, we try to help them out with their first payment just cause that seems to be a question that pops up a lot. And then afterwards, you know, we have email campaigns that go out about whether they want to refinance in the future. Uh, or they're thinking about buying another house and we stay in touch with them, you know, every couple times a year, uh, both through emails that we send out individually as a team and then my company sends out on my behalf. Um, so we, we stay in touch with them largely by email. I'm about to implement a process where we're actually calling them, uh, you know, ideally twice a year just to check in and let them know we're here. Because one of my things that still drives me insane to this day, and it's like it's just a major letdown is when I find out one of my clients refinanced or bought with somebody else just because they forgot to call us. And it's usually not intentional. They just do it because, you know, whoever, you know, their realtor puts them in touch with somebody else or they saw a commercial or right. they didn't realize that you can help them. So stuff like that. And speaking of surveys, I was curious what you use for that. Are you doing like any online reviews and stuff? How do you capture that real quick? So, yeah. So, I mean, we, um, we asked them for, we asked them to review us on Zillow, Yelp, uh, Facebook, Google. Like we, we send out an email asking them to, to consider a review on that stuff and then giving them the links to all those places so they can go for us yep. um i think online yeah. reviews are getting more and more important um so we, we 100 ask for that um and then just the survey itself you know says you know how do you think the process went you know and this is at a high level i mean how do you sure. think the process went did you like your loan officer would you recommend guaranteed rate and shot um what would you do different like you know if there's any feedback you could give us what would it be stuff like that and so it gives them the opportunity to one rate us on a scale of one to ten but also provide uh you know written feedback as well Got it. Very cool. That's how you improve. I mean, really, honestly, as much as I'd like to say, you know, I wish everybody gave me a 10 and, you know, that, you know, makes you feel good when you have those. But there's really some really great learning experience you have from one of the clients that say, hey, this is what I didn't like or this is what could have improved or this is what went wrong. Like, that's where you really learn. So, you know, it's really easy to say, oh, that client didn't know what they were talking about or can you believe that person? Like, they have no idea. But and that's like everybody's, you know, a lot of people's natural reaction, but that's like gold right there. You know, that's people can really, um, you know, they're not giving you that feedback because it, you know, they're generally a lot of people that give me feedback are like just truly want us to improve, you know, and they're, so uh, you got to listen to that stuff. You can't be, you got to be a little bit thick skinned, but you can't like get upset at those people because that's not the whole point of it. Like you're never going to improve if you constantly think everybody else is wrong. That's right, man. That's a good point. It's feedback. Well, this this has been very informative. You know, there was there was one question I want to answer, and I'm, I'm a little bit reluctant because it could be a long winded answer, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it anyways. Did you set out to be, you know, the mega producer you are? Did like if you look back when you were at that, um, you know, the call center and stuff, and you're like, okay, I gotta I gotta switch out of the call center. You know, had you? I, I mean, I get the sense you're obviously a go getter, af- anyways, getting after it. But um, did you make that conscious choice? Like, I want to be the number one mortgage guy in, in the entire state of Massachusetts? <laughs> uh, you know, not really, no. I mean, to be honest with you, like, it's kind of like just the environment um, that I'm in. So, like, when I was at, uh, when I first got into the business at my current company, at the company I first started out, at, like, you know, we were on Lending Tree, and I, you know, I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be the top Lending Tree guy at the company. And I eventually figured how to, how to do that. And then, you know, when I, when I first got into the retail side of things, you know, I was at a small local, I'm a small, you know, regional mortgage company. And I was like, oh, I'm from here. I might as well, you know, the top guy's doing 50 million. I got to figure out how to do 50 million. I might as well beat him. <laughs> yeah. And like when I first got, when I first got the guarantee rate, I was literally doing $50 million and I was like killing myself. And there was like something like, 
15 people that had done 100 million. There was like a couple people that had done 200 million. There was one guy that did 300, and there was even a guy that did 400 million that year. And I thought it was like a complete fabrication. Like I was like, there's no way that's possible. And like then I started getting exposed to stuff like Scotsman's Guide, Mortgage Market Guide, and like all these other, you know, all those publications that put out like the numbers. And I was looking at these numbers, and I'm like, wow, it's like these are big numbers. And you just get to start, you know, I, sh- I share best practice with some of the biggest producers in the country both at my company and at other companies as well that I've become friendly with over the time. I love where I work because there is so many big producers here. So it keeps you competitive. It's a healthy competition. It's fun. They're all in different markets, but everybody's doing different things that constantly, um, you know, every, it's funny. Like there's a bunch of people that are doing a big amount of business, but everybody's teams are structured a little bit differently. Everybody goes after different kinds of business. Um, so I'm constantly just trying to figure out, you know, what they're doing and how I can implement that and share what we're doing and how they can, uh, they can use some of that stuff in their market. Um, but my whole thing is like, I'm going to play in the sandbox. I want to be, you know, one of the better guys uh, doing it. And um, so we're just constantly trying to focus on how to improve our processes, uh, be more efficient with our time and our day and our clients and, and just do a better job. So ultimately, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it well. It's good for the brand to be considered one of the better originators in the industry and in the state. And, and um, I don't know, it's just I've always been a competitive person by nature. Um, I like working hard. Uh, I like having success. So all those things kind of lead into, you know, being, being successful, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, what I really love about you, man, is not only are you, you know, um, a go-getter and you want to be successful and you definitely hold yourself to high standards. I really get from you that, you know, to your point about you know, sharing best practices with people at, at competing companies, et cetera. Um, you know, you've got the right mindset, the right vision. You're a go-giver instead of a go-taker. And so you are a compliment to the industry and to uh, loan originators around the country. And, you know, if we just had more people cut from the same cloth of like, look, man, there's the pie is big enough for everybody. You know, none of that scarcity mindset. Um, I, I just think that would serve the greater good that much better. So, yeah, yeah. I got to be honest. I couldn't agree with you more. I appreciate you saying that. It's very kind of you to say, um, you know, there, you're right. The, the pie is big. I mean, it's uh, it's very, very big. And there's so many fun ways to do it. Uh, there's not so fun ways. But, um, you know, I'm searching. You know, I'm after you know, I want to do more business and work less, right? Like that's ultimately the goal. So like if I can like figure out a way to keep doing more business and get better, um, I will. And, and, you know, also have that work-life balance, which is super, super important to me. Um, and, you know, I know I'm not going to figure it out on my own, but there's fortunately a lot of really, really great resources out there and people out there that are willing to share that stuff. And so you just try to, you know, pick their brain and, and become better every single day. Awesome. Well, before I let you go, man, we got to bring up the haters. Uh, you know, you're in New England. I'm from New England originally. Um, predictions for this year, Patriots? <laughs> uh, I plan on being in Minnesota for the Super Bowl. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I am going to be in attendance. I was there last year in, uh, in no. you know, uh, against the Falcons. You were there? And I was there the oh. time before that when we beat the Seahawks. Um, so I, I, even though Minnesota in February is probably not the best place in the world to be, uh, I, 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 I like our team a lot this year. I, I love what uh, – I mean, you got to like Tom Brady, and I just like all the additions we've uh, made this year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll take Belichick and Brady all day long. Uh, <laughs> They've definitely got a system. Yeah, they're doing something right. Yeah, man. In terms of like perfected system and process, they've definitely got one for sure. Much like you, man, right? Add people to the team, to the roster, and they just, right, put them in the the system and they perform. And that's what it's all about. So, 
Well, that's great, man. And listen, I know you got to go. You're very busy. Thank you so much. This has probably been an expensive hour for you. So we are grateful for your time. My pleasure, man. I thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. The pleasure is all ours. So for listeners, once again, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, let us know. Give us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, subscribe, more good stuff like this to come. And as always, I appreciate you, the listener, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Marketing Radio. Want more truth in mortgage marketing? Get more free training and resources at MortgageMarketingInstitute.com. Hey guys, what's up? Real quick, uh, you've heard about the Mortgage Marketing Pro membership before, and I just want to quickly remind you if that you're in a place in your business where you simply need more purchase loans, you need to fill your pipeline with purchase business. Let's just face it. Agents are still a solid pillar of business and sources of purchase business for you. Well, good news. Our Mortgage Marketing Pro membership helps loan officers like you close more loans without the hassle of chasing agents or cold calling. Done for you agent classes, expert training videos, a marketing automation platform that automates the entire process for you, everything you need to build your personal brand in your local market, attract and convert agents into referral partners, plus done for you proven marketing materials and plug and play content to make promoting your class, getting agents butts and seats, partnering with affiliates real easy. But that's not all. You'll also get access to our weekly mastermind calls with top LOs, authors, speakers, and coaches to learn the best strategies to grow your business right now in today's market. And as an extra bonus for a limited time, for all new members, you'll get access to a database of 200 agents in your local market that have closed anywhere to, from eight to 50 transactions in the last 12 months. And we'll provide that list upload into our platform for you so you can get off to a fast start in reaching actually productive agents. So what are you waiting for? You can check out more at mortgagemarketing.pro, see more of the success stories there. And if you feel compelled to do so, book a call. We'll have a chat. We'll see if it's a fit. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your mortgage business to the next level right now. Head over to mortgagemarketing.pro.